Thank you for joining us today and a warm welcome to our Search for Truth programme with me, John Martin, and our Bible teacher, Brian Johnston. It's a privilege to share God's Word with you and we know that many of you value it deeply for you write and tell us so. A sincere thank you to those who've written recently. One listener says, Your teaching is very valuable to me and would be to all those who want to live a full life in Jesus Christ our Redeemer. I had heard ministry on this subject many times before, but was unable to understand it until the way you explained it. So thank you, listening friend, for writing and telling us that. Brian's getting near to the end of this series of studies on the journeys of the ark. There's just one more study talk next week. Brian's entitled today's talk, Going by the Book. So before we join Brian, let's enjoy the hymn, Father of mercies, in thy word, what endless glories shine, forever be thy name adored for these celestial lines. Have you ever doubted the sovereignty of God, the fact that he's in control? It's one thing to acknowledge it in our theology, but in practice we can sometimes deny it without realising it. Sometimes we can act like the Philistines. Remember, when we left last time, the Ark of the Covenant was in Philistine hands. When they placed it into the house of their god Dagon, his image lay smashed before it in the morning. Wherever it visited, throughout the five cities of the Philistine lords, there was plague and disaster. At last, they had a committee meeting to decide what to do. The decision was to send the ark back to the Israelites on a cart or wagon, but to make sure that everything that had happened to them since its arrival wasn't just some strange string of coincidences, they agreed to stack the odds against the ark making it back to Israel. They selected oxen that had never previously been yoked. In addition, the oxen had recently calved. Without guidance, they were unlikely to head directly into Israelite territory. Natural instinct would be expected to draw them back to their calves. However, as it turned out, the oxen pulled the wagon directly back to Israelite territory, to Beth Shemesh, in fact, 
confirming miraculously to the Philistines that the hand of God had been in all that had happened. Do we sometimes say, if this happens, and if such and such takes place, then I'll know this is what God's asking me to do? Do we too, like the Philistines, attempt to over-insure ourselves against the possibility of mistaking the sovereign hand of God? Perhaps it's because of her reluctance to accept it. When the inhabitants at Beth Shemesh saw the ark returning, 1 Samuel chapter 6 tells us they rejoiced to see it. Beth Shemesh was a Levite city, and so the ark of God would be specially meaningful to them. It reminds us of what's recorded of the Lord's disciples in John 20 and verse 20, when in resurrection it says that the disciples rejoiced and were glad to see the Lord. He'd come back from the dead. In fact, the ark's sojourn in enemy territory and eventual return is, in a sense, a picture of the Lord's surrendering of himself to the hands of lawless men leading to his death and then his resurrection, with the ark representing Christ, as we've often said in this series. But the joy we experience at salvation and in early Christian life can become dulled, leading to the kind of state described in one of our hymns when it says, Thy presence have we coldly sought. And so it was with the ark upon its return. After that initial joy at Beth Shemesh, we read that during the days while Saul was king, it was simply left in Kiriath-Jerim. In First Chronicles chapter 13 and verse 3 we read, that Israel didn't seek unto the ark during all the days of Saul. It just didn't seem to figure in Saul's plans or in his thinking. What a contrast with the king who succeeded him. David, his successor, was a man after God's own heart. In other words, he cared for the things God cared for. When he came to the throne, after capturing Jerusalem, David made it a priority to fetch the ark up from the fields of the woods, where Psalm 132 indicates it had lain throughout all the reign of Saul. Just listen to David's attitude towards the ark. Surely I will not go into the chamber of my house, or go up to the comfort of my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes, or slumber to my eyelids, until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place, for the mighty one of Jacob. Behold, we heard of it in Ephratha. We found it in the fields of the woods. Let us go into his tabernacle. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, to your resting place, you and the ark of your strength. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness and let your saints shout for joy. David's first move in removing the ark to Jerusalem, however, was to prove to be a false one. Perhaps influenced by what the Philistines had done, David set the ark on a wagon pulled by oxen. They hadn't gone far before the oxen stumbled, and someone called Uzzah stuck out his hand to steady the ark. For doing what had long ago been forbidden to even the Levites, 
for touching the sacred chest that symbolised the presence of God, Uzzah was struck down dead by God. We don't know all that lay behind this. Uzzah was one of the family that had given shelter to the ark. Perhaps familiarity had bred contempt. And it came to be for him just that old box that stood in the corner of the house. What we do know is that David caused the journey to be aborted. David might be surprised, confused, displeased and disappointed, but two clear commands of God's word had been broken. We need to learn from David's mistake to love that sacred word of God, as our hymn now reminds us. As we saw earlier, God had clearly said in the days of Moses that not even the Levites were to touch the ark. It was to be carried by staves upon their shoulders. Wagons could be used for transporting other tabernacle objects, but not for the most holy ark, the ark of God. But the strange thing is that the Philistines appeared to have got away with this. Surely the lesson for us is obvious, that the people of God Those to whom he has revealed his will may not do as others do. Greater privilege brings greater responsibility. Considering again how we earlier compared carrying the ark with our bearing testimony to Christ now, this should make us wary of enlisting new, worldly methods in proclaiming the gospel message and in taking forward the work of God. Secular techniques may work very well in modern business practice, but aren't appropriate in bearing witness to Christ or serving him as Lord. The burden of the work of the Lord can't be rolled onto smooth, self-sustaining organisations, but has to be shouldered by those who are devoted to the task, those who feel its responsibility and its holiness. Reverence in the things of God calls for personal dedication. We are rightly alarmed at any lack of evangelical progress. But let's take notice that there's a wrong way to support the testimony of Christ. Steps that cut across the plain word of God will be found to be false steps. The Philistines had previously carried the ark on a new cart, without consequence to them. Presumably, since they had no other instruction, they were genuinely trying to respect it by using something unpolluted. But David should have known better, even though his motives and desires were good. The lesson we can draw is that in order to please God, right motives and desires are necessary, but on their own they're not sufficient. Reverence for the things of God calls for obedience to God's revealed will, which we find in our Bibles.
And now, please, may I remind you, there's a transcript book available of the 12 study talks in this series. And if you send for it, you'll be able to get more out of the radio talks by reading and studying its contents. It's available online. Either you can get it yourself by downloading a copy from churchesofgod.info forward slash media. Or if you're not able to do that and need to request a hard copy book, then just write in and ask for the title The Journey of the Ark. You can use email or the post. And here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY UK. And our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. I've been delighted to enjoy your company today. Thank you. If you have any questions or suggestions how we might make these programmes more helpful, then please write in and Brian will be pleased to correspond with you. So till we see you next time then, it's goodbye and very best wishes from Brian, David, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon. And in the meantime, we wish you God's richest blessings.